Rudy Wizzes podcast is brought to you by First Nations Fiber. Welcome to the beating table with your hosts, Leif and Degoriakwa. Our topics for tonight range all over the place, but we really get into the nitty gritty of pricing from our perspective. We also get in deep with copying, inspiration, motivation. So join us. First Nations Wireless is now First Nations Fiber. You've seen our team working through the community to get you connected. From the new development to the OCR, from the 207 to Clay Mountains, FN Fiber makes fiber optic internet easy for everyone. Come into Gonhawaga soon. Visit radio.fnfiber.com to sign up today. Welcome to the beating table. This is our second episode and it is titled, It's Not Just Dollars and Cents, How to Price Speedwork. So for today, um, we chose to focus on pricing that seemed to be a really hot topic lately everyone's been asking us how do we price and if we could give a breakdown and what our thoughts are on pricing so that's something that we're gonna focus on today um would you like to go first Lise? do you have any uh ideas or thoughts on pricing sure so there are very there are like for myself i would say there are multiple variable variables that really determine what it is I'm going to price. And this is all from my personal experience. Now, um, I would say the first and foremost thing is there's like an ebb and flow where not to say that sometimes your beating is lacking, but sometimes you have more motivation and like it's more pizzazzy, your beadwork. And then sometimes it's just like maybe a flower here. Like sometimes you can do something huge and ornate. And then the next time it's something just small. And so it's really going to determine what your price is. Um, cause I have to factor in materials, big beads, small beads, what kind of beads they are. And then like that, of course, it goes into like what kind of finishes the beads are. There's, there's all different kind of things for that. And like also, um, depending on the brand of the bead, sometimes some beads are more expensive. Some beads are less expensive. And in terms of like the embellishment beads, if you're using your crystals or if you're using precious stones, it really like brings up the price. The gold for 14 or 24 karat gold beads. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things that we often forget is that those things matter, like materials, not just necessarily your beads, but if you're not charging every time for like a bottle of glue or something or, mm-hmm. or a thing of thread, but that really has to be taken into account a little bit, not a little bit, a lot. If mm-hmm. I'm being honest, it has to be taken in a lot because what happens is that sets all your overhead prices or of all your overhead costs in order to do this. And people don't factor that in sometimes. Some people like to just like do their just the beat, hours or by the uh, hour, yeah. which, yeah, it could be great if you're, I don't want to say a slow beater, but if you take your time. Now, someone could be a really fast beater and still have the same kind of quality as somebody who takes a lot longer. Now, should that person be using hours? I would say no. Like if you know you're a fast and quality beater, you should be using what it is that you believe is a good standard for your pricing because not everyone is going to price the same. Mm-hmm. Like you and I don't price the same. Mm-mm. And we don't even, like we talked about in the last podcast, we don't even take orders the same way. And so you wanted to talk about that a little bit about how you take the order because you said that you don't take any money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't take any down payment. Well, some people will ask, sometimes there's there's like a request or whatever, because sometimes, yes, it is easier on 
the client um, not to be dropping whatever, hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands of dollars. So it is easier in that sense. But for me, the motivation is a lump sum. So it's like everybody is different in how they choose to price and things like that. Do you keep track, though, of I mean, your materials? Yes. And well, for me, how I kind of look at it and or how I price some of the things is that I have almost like a standard now um, because I make certain things so often. I kind of have set prices for certain things. Like if I'm making a, a grad outfit, like depending though, sometimes, yes, you do have to take into account how much is done on the piece. Like if somebody is going to order a grad outfit, but says like completely bead the whole thing, then like all the whole yoke and everything, then yeah, definitely it'll be a, a higher. But if it's generally like in the same area, like for a couple of orders, then yeah, it's going to be, you know, kind of the same. So, um, so do you change your price? based on um, your expertise. So like, say you did a grad order last year. Now, people are going to probably think like, oh, well, you guys are seasoned, seasoned, seasoned beaters and you know, you're, you're probably set in your style. That's not necessarily true. Like we're evolving the same way as everybody else. Like just like the beginner, we might be, there might be small details that we're changing in our art form. You might not notice them as much, but we notice them. So if you are getting better and better each time, because I assume that's what's happening, would you change your price or would you stay? See, that's the, the, tricky, the tricky part is that a lot of times people get used to a certain price point and then they're caught off guard when you say, well, it's this much because I'm, because I'm, I'm better. Like I'm better now. Like I have more like notches on my belt in the sense that, you know, I've done all these things, my color change or whatnot, and you have a different eye for different things. And so I just wonder, like, do you change your price? Uh, I, yeah, at some point for me, the way I look at it, I guess that does semi factor into it, but not like a whole bunch for me. I, because this is my job, this is my income. Like I don't have a backup, you know what I mean? So to me, part of it sometimes is cost of living. So unfortunately, sometimes, you know what, even the cost of living has to factor into what I charge because this is my bread and butter. I have to pay my bills. I have to support my well. I have a two income family, thankfully, but I still have my own bills. You know, I have things that need to be addressed. So um, sometimes that's a major factor. You know, over the years, I think like things have evolved already, like a couple of times. Like I think when I first started, I maybe used to charge like, I want to say like less than $400 for a pair of moccasins. Like, mm -hmm. Because I didn't really know either, like, I never really factored in all the stuff. I just kind of went like, oh, well, what would, you know, what do you think? And over the years, yeah, I've I've uh, kind of really started factoring a lot more criteria into it. So there was something that uh, we were talking about earlier, um, how, like, years ago, you had mentioned something to me that kind of really opened my eyes about pricing. So for me, like I said, I was just kind of like, oh, well, maybe somebody will buy it at this price. And it was usually super low and like I felt mm -hmm. comfortable. And of course, people were like, yeah, I'll take it because it was like giving it away for free. So I remember doing something. It was a project and I didn't know how to price it. And I was kind of getting to the point where I was like, well, you know what? No, maybe I need to start evaluating what I'm charging. Do a guesstimate or if you do have your hours, divide that like how much time did it take and like so what is your pay per hour that you've put into this and I was like I think when I did it and when I looked at the final cost of everything it was like I think I charged myself like three dollars an hour which is crazy yeah so it's like those kind of things like I 
now a lot of the time people will come to the shop and they'll ask me like, well, how do I price and all that? And I usually tell people that like, like look at the the amount of hours. And like you said, it's it doesn't always work. It doesn't always, you know, it is hard because like for me, I'm a fast beater. Mm -hmm. I am. I do fast, you know. And like you said, it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm fast and it looks like crap. Like, yeah, you have quality work. Yeah. And it's just the through years of experience, like whatever it is, what it is. So I usually tell people like you do have to factor it in, though. If you're doing this for like, uh, I don't know, 20 hours, like break that down and see, like get a rough estimate. Like, are you OK with it being five dollars an hour mm -hmm. or 20 bucks an hour, 25? Mm -hmm. Like. You have to gauge that and you have yeah. to find like some kind of medium. Um, and if it doesn't like um, match up to what you feel it should be, then you also have to look at other factors like. Like the market, like who is your market? Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because we had talked and in preparation for this podcast, of course, we like, you know, did a little bit of brainstorming and different things like that. And what we looked at was. Margaret has it on her paper because I didn't write it down. But what was the note that you wrote? Because it's hilarious. <laughs> so, yes, pricing, the infamous res pricing. So what is the difference with that? Like, how do you determine, you know, like that's a question that comes in a lot. Like, well, if I'm beating for family, how much should I charge? I'm beating for my community. How much should I charge? Mm -hmm. I'm beating for a market. How much should I charge? So there's all those factors that come in too sometimes. So And you can't gauge from one from one artist to another. You really have to have confidence in yourself and set your price for what you think it's worth. Now, am I going to say like just go and say it's going to be a million dollars? Obviously not. Like that's mm -hmm. not the market. Yeah. Am I going to say maybe it's a hundred dollars? Well, I think we're past the point where, like an example, when people started doing flat work, sue baby moccasins. The going rate was like $125 for that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's too low, personally. Mm -hmm. That's not, you know, it, 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 it's, it doesn't equate to like the amount of time you put it in to put into these moccasins and, and whatnot. And just the materials and itself. You, exactly. So would you then price those moccasins at 500 because of because that's what you think they're worth? Yeah, maybe. But will that market be able to sustain you at that price? Probably not. So... You have to have confidence to raise your price if that's the case. You have to also be realistic and know like, okay, you have to look at other people who are out there. And I always say there's a market for everybody, whether you're in like the thousand range or like maybe like mid hunt mid, like maybe like between two and 300 range and that kind of stuff, or even in anything in between. But you have to know what you're willing to commit to in order to get the price that you want. A lot of times it's saying, sorry, I'm not going to give you a discount mm -hmm. or, you know, this is my price and that's, that's where I have to stand. And it's, sometimes it's a blow. Like sometimes you, like, cause depending on your situation, if you're somebody who is maybe the only breadwinner in your family and this is your livelihood or you're going to school and you're a struggling student and you need that extra cash cause you're not working, you have to either say, okay, I'm going to sell at that price even though I know, and it's not to say that you're desperate, but you know, like you're in a pickle, like you really have to have the money. So yeah, like, you know, you make exceptions. Maybe the next time you don't have to, like you shouldn't have to be, it shouldn't be set in stone that this is what you're going to charge every time because there's multiple variables. Like you said, if you're beating something that's almost entirely out of 24 karat gold and it took you the same time to make something that was just on plain white, 
you got to charge. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be the same. Now, I think that um, some people, some of us have like repeat buyers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to say that to that repeat buyer, you know, it's increased because you know they're a consistent buyer, mm-hmm. but you have to. Like we're in a time when, you know, yes, we could do trades or whatnot, but some of us have to feed families. Like you have to pay bills. Like Hydro is not collecting tobacco or not collecting like <laughs> yeah. cans of beans or stuff like that. Like we mm-hmm. realistically, we have to set our own price. We have to make the market for us. People, some people don't want to charge family. Cool. Don't charge, you know? Yeah. And I think it's just all personal, really. But you have to be realistic and know who's buying your work and the other people that are out there. Like, like it's it's not to be competitive in a sense, but you don't want to be low-balling the market if you know your work is really good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like other beaters know, like, you know, you see something that's really nice and it's it's beaded excellent and the cost is low. I'm thinking, oh man, like then the comparison is that it's so low that you charge something, say I charge something that's higher and the other people don't want to buy it because they know they can get it somewhere else for cheaper. Mm-hmm. But it's not even me that really suffers. It's the person who's doing the work, who's not getting what it is that they deserve. Mm-hmm. And maybe they think they deserve that. And we had talked about confidence yeah. and just knowing your worth. And knowing that this is a traditional art form, it's not just something you can go to university and learn how to, to, to pick up. Like you had said, how many people like invest years and years yeah. to hone their skills and maybe like sit with different people in, the commu- in their own community or to learn how to do that or mm-hmm. spend time actually like paying for lessons, like in terms of like maybe attending one of your classes. Mm-hmm. That's all personal investment. You know, you don't yeah. want to be giving your work away for $3 an hour. That is like ridiculous. And yeah. and some people will take advantage. Like that's the, that's the real thing. Some people will take advantage of that and just mm-hmm. say, oh yeah, I see that. And okay, I'll give you that like a hundred dollars, but really it's like maybe worth 200. Like, yeah, it really is the artist who should really make the price. But I think if it's somebody from your community who kind of knows that this isn't just something you put on with scissor paper and glue like you should have some I don't want to say integrity because I don't want to like blow off all my clients and I'm not trying to be like <laughs> pinpointing anybody because I'm thank thankfully I don't really have a lot of experiences myself where with that kind of stuff and you know my price is my price and if you want to pay okay and if you don't that's fine like it, no hard feelings you know it's really not like but I know. think that's the main thing is that you know what so many people struggle with the idea of with pricing and a lot of it comes down to our own personal stuff that we we deal with like I can't speak on everyone's behalf because I don't I don't know everybody's ins and outs I know for me personally self-worth comes into it I have been being for almost 20 years and I still struggle at times when I look at something I I see all the flaws in it immediately and then I think, well, I I chose all these colors, but will somebody else like them? You know, so those kind of things, like when you're pricing, when you're ready to sell, you know, it's kind of like, it's a little part of you that goes out to the world, kind of, it, it, you become like vulnerable to people's critique of it as well, because I made this, I put myself into this. So how are people going to respond? How are people going to react? Like, you know, are they going to say, oh, my God, you paid that much for that? That's not worth it. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, like, I've, I've never heard anybody talk about other people's stuff that way. I don't think anyway, not that I can remember, but I can imagine, like, you know, it's yeah. not. But and, and yeah, I've never heard it, thank God. But like, I, it does happen. I can't 
you know, I'm, I'm sure that it does. So it's kind of like, it's, it is a blow a little bit sometimes to your ego, like, or, or it feels like it will be if just with your pricing, like, oh my God, if I price it at this, like, are people going to say this or if I, you know, so. Mm-hmm. They're putting yourself out there. You mean when you're pricing high? That's but usually no, how some people put, even like, low. even low, sometimes it's, you still feel, you know, I guess it is on the higher end because to me, I look at it like there, you know, I, I kind of look at when people price certain things. And even for me, even if like, and not in a judgment way, because there was a, I think it was last year, somebody had posted something that was for sale. And I was shocked at the price and not in a judgmental way, but because I reflected on what I sell mine for. And I was like, and we had that conversation because you texted me and I was like, and, and it sold. And I was Uh like, and and the stuff was beautiful. It was high, like, you know what I mean? High quality, everything. But I was just shocked because I'm like, I'm giving myself my stuff away. If this stuff is like, if her stuff is also being sold at this price and I'm like, holy smokes, like it was an eye opener to see like, and that's where what you're saying, the confidence comes in because they were confident enough to say, you know what, my work is worth it. And I should ask what I feel this is worth, you Mm -hmm. know? So, and I kind of like, it gave me a whole new sense of looking at things, you know, where I was like, I don't, I don't want to take advantage of uh, buyers either and Mm -hmm. say, oh my God, well, you know, it's $10,000 for this or whatever, but, but I have to be realistic that, you know what, like, (laughs) and it sounds, and it's funny because it's hard that we can't talk good about ourselves. We feel funny. Like I feel funny right now about almost just saying like, about beating, about pricing? No, about like to say I'm worth it. My worth work is good. Hour. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous that way too. But. No, but yeah, in the sense to say, you know what? Like my beadwork is is good. Mm-hmm. You know, I've worked hard. I've I've done it for a long time. You know, I will blow my own whistle. That yes, I'm. And by saying that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm saying I'm better than anybody mm-hmm. else. But my work is good. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's okay to say. And I think other people need to start learning how to say that and owning that to say, okay, well. My work is good. So I should be asking what, you know, my time is worth, mm-hmm. you know, especially like what we were saying when this is a business, when, because that's another question that comes up a lot. Like, how do you, is it lucrative to turn beadwork or beading into mm-hmm. a job? And it can be, but you, ha- you have to immediately like set your standards as to what you're, what you're going to accept your own your more like your own work ethic in terms of like how you're going to schedule your time. Are you going to treat it like a job? Are you going to do it like 24 mm-hmm. seven? And then like your basic scale, like I would say like a lot of times what happens is that in the beginning I would have a piece and I would say, okay, this is how much this piece costs. So then I'm going to take my next piece and see like, okay, is it equal or better than what it is or even less? Cause sometimes you can just, like I said, like you're in a slump and you're just beating to bead and it doesn't mean necessarily mean it's high quality because we're not machines, right? We can't put out the same kind of stuff every time. Well, I can't anyway. You compare those two. And, but in the comparison, it's not just the time. It's like your bead choices. Like your bead choices and my bead choices compared to somebody else in the community are completely different. Yeah. And that adds to our expertise. And then also the pattern making in terms of like maybe just a shape, how you design, what goes into your design you know, um, different things like that. Like those all have to be taken into account. Now, if you have pieces, you can, if you've sold and you have pieces that you can judge, sometimes it's a good way to like make it easier for yourself. But as time goes on, you're going to get better. So you're going to have to increase your prices. You know, I'm very confident in my prices. 
But that being said, I do have different prices for different places. And to be honest, the different prices for places has to do with family. That's my personal choice. Sometimes I charge and sometimes I don't. It really depends. You know, it depends on the situation. If I'm saying, oh, I'm going to make this for you. If I am saying that, then I probably don't charge because I am choosing to do this for you. If somebody comes and asks me to do something, then I'll charge something because it's time away. And we have, we're talking about like what falls at the wayside, like that's time away from my family. Because if you're doing an outfit, you're doing something and it, and if you're working a part-time job, like if you're working at the store or if I'm working, doing whatever, you have to do it on the off time. Like when you're at home, when you're supposed to be like interacting with your children and cooking supper and doing dishes and all the other stuff. And when I'm doing knee deep in a project, I can't wash my dishes until like six o'clock because if my hands can't get wet in terms of like it gets too, they get too wrinkly and they get too sore and that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. I, so I can't do dishes during the day if I'm doing a big project and I'm at home. So I do have different prices. And if you're family and you're great and it's great and I'm taking orders, then yeah, sure. I, I don't mind. If you're doing something and I, I love it, like, you know, I'm going to say like my nieces and nephews, I don't charge. I wouldn't charge my own children. I don't charge that. Like, you know, I wouldn't charge. And that's, and that's my prerogative. And that's the thing is too, is that you have to have confidence. Like I'm confident that like, you know, I don't want to charge. I'm not going to charge. If I'm going to charge less, I'm going to charge you less. Aside from the family, there's no other determination on the res price. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that, or not everybody, but I know in particular, there's two different prices. There's res price and there's show price. And that's just how it is. We've all heard it too, because it's like when you go or when people have put things in shows or even when you're thinking like, oh, okay, well, if I'm prepping for a show or a market or something like that, you're like, okay, these are the prices. This is what I can, you know, it's a, it's almost a standard. It becomes a standard that on the outside, when you're at showings or whatever, you charge more. The thought creeps in like, well, I can't charge this at home. You know, it's it, true. It, and it's true. It's the the reality of it, because when you're at shows, when you're at things, you have buyers, you have collectors, you have, you have people other that expenses are... on top of just the actual work. Like, exactly. You yeah. know, like you have to say, like, it's almost like when you're working at a store and you buy something wholesale and sort of to sell it retail, you have to take in the factors of like, you have to take in rent, you have to take in heat, all those other things. When you're at a show, you have to take into account your travel, your expenses to live there. You have to take that into account because if you're just not, you're not just going to go to a show for free. Yeah. Or sell something for $200 and, and it not doesn't make even any, cover yeah. any, doesn't even cover a quarter of your flight or something like that. So yeah, you have to, it, it changes and, and a show usually costs money to get in. Yeah. You have yeah, to pay for your table. <laughs> so, and that's just how it is. And people may not be like, oh my God, I can't believe telling you saying that. But well, it's the truth. Like, and that's where we're here. We're at the beating <laughs> table. We're telling like how it's supposed, how our experience is. And that's how my experience has been is that oftentimes I do not charge the same as I do at a show. There's one piece I have that I have not decreased the price. I did decrease the price a little bit before somebody asked to buy it, but I'm not decreasing it. I don't, I, I really don't care. It's that price and that's what it is. And if you want it, great. If not, well, I'm going to another show, hopefully, and I'll just sell it there probably. Hopefully. And if not, then I don't, but I'm not, I'm trying not to decrease because that is what I believe it's worth. And that's what I'm selling it for. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I have to be confident and strong to say, sorry, yeah. I, I'm not going lower. Yeah. And that's yeah. it, you know, and, and it does it. That's, that comes back to your own personal stuff where you're confident in what you're doing and you're okay with it. But it's know? scary. 
Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is like when you're sitting on something, especially when it could be worth quite a bit, you know, it's always scary. It's very scary. So there was another question that a lot of people, um, we kind of touched on it a little bit and it's controversial. I think it's a controversial thing and I'm going to bring it up. So, because, you know, that's I'm like, what is this topic? No, what is this it, question? it's within all these things, but about the beating, how do you price depending on who's beating? That is something that had come up in some of our, like a lot of people were writing that even on our, um, like when we put out our feelers mm -hmm. for topics and things like that. So people were asking, like, how do people determine pricing based off of expertise and years of experience? And so where like Leith has been beating for 20 plus years and somebody who has just learned can, so that person who is just learning, could they? should they be pricing their stuff at the same as what you're pricing? So those are some of the questions that have come out. And some people discuss that a lot of the times, like, I think sometimes that's where maybe judgment comes in oh, or, okay. you know, like, but, but what's the reality of it too, you know? Like for me, I personally know like where I kind of, my view on it is that if somebody can price something and they get that they they sell good it for them excellent great. exactly I'm, I, I'm applauding you like, yeah that's good and that's exactly how i feel so because i find that when you price something if you're pricing i always tell people you know what not in a way to price gouge but price it at the higher end of what you're comfortable with because if you price it lower and try to move up that's that's ridiculous like <laughs> It's easier to have it a little bit higher and then, then go down if you have and to. And then come down if you have to. And mm -hmm. then that can kind of um, show you that it, it kind of gives you like a reality check, like for everybody on every level of where, you know, some of your, your stuff is sitting at mm -hmm. that point. And you know what? And, and you can't take some of those things personally sometimes. Like that's the way it is. Like if you have something like I've had things out there where I was like, oh, my God, so jazzed about it. And then I put it out and like it's at a certain price. And I'm like, oh, it didn't sell. <laughs> like, so then I know, I, OK, well, you know what? Maybe the quality on it, maybe the color choices, maybe whatever. I have to lower it. So mm -hmm. those are also good gauges to look at, you know, for every level of beating. Mm -hmm. But if people like to me, I look at it, if it's a brand new beater and they price it really high, like super, mm -hmm. super high, if that doesn't sell, then you know, mm -hmm. that that's your cue. That's telling you where maybe then it needs to be a little bit lower until like you develop a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, build your name, build your, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I kind of view it, I guess. But I'm not against people like I'm not against it really to say like, oh, my God, well, nobody knows who this person is. And she just started beating and you should, you know, like for me, I don't that famous like she has no business doing that. Yeah. Like, which is not true. Yeah. I kind of like I'm on that side a little bit. I just kind of look at it like, yeah, just gauge like where price it. Like if you're comfortable, you have a, a brand new, you're a brand new beater and you set your price at 500 bucks and it doesn't sell. Well, then, you know, okay, let's try a different price. Let's yeah. lower it a little bit. So that's kind of where I sit on it. And for me, I think like that's, that's good. I don't try to get into, I don't think anybody would really, that'd be a little bit too brazen to be like commenting on somebody if they go too high. I try to make a point. If I see somebody selling something and I know them and I feel comfortable, I'll tell them you can get more money for that. Because I think it's important to help to encourage people who don't necessarily maybe have a lot of experience selling. Say I see on Instagram, I'm like, I just want to let you know, like your work is good. Yeah. And I think you're make you're not doing yourself justice. Yeah. You should increase your price. Mm -hmm. 
And then it doesn't have to do beadwork. I do it for other things. I'm just like, you know, like you're almost giving it away. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that like one of the reasons why I have the beading table is so that we can help and to encourage people to like look and improve and do whatever with their beadwork. From our point of view, what we think yes. <laughs> it should be, I guess, <laughs> really, I guess. But I think it also like helps me so that I don't have to inbox people and say, hey, you know, I think you should do this. You know, and I've done that. Like I've seen something, I'm like, oh my God, excellent. Maybe if you just tweak this one little thing. And it's not to be like criticizing them. It's because they can then ask for more. Like, you know, it's the quality gets better and better. So, but I only do that to people I know who mm -hmm. will not take it the wrong way. Cause some people will take it the wrong way and take it too personally. And I'm not here to like crush anybody's dreams. Like I'm not the dream crusher. Maybe in my house I might be, but not necessarily <laughs> here on the podcast. Yeah. But I like what you said, where you have to be like realistic. You have to see what it is and it could be ego and maybe not. Maybe it's just like whatever, whatever it is that you have. And I think when you look at whatever's on social media, it's not always the true representation of what's going on. Maybe there's other things behind the scenes and you don't know. And I think it takes a lot to put yourself out there. It takes a lot to say, okay, I'm going to, because this is a direct reflection of you. Your artwork is a direct reflection. And this is what you're like saying, okay, I'm putting this out there for, for, the, for the masses to like look at, critique, to dissect every little thing they see that stitch is going the wrong way and that thread is sticking out and it doesn't match and that you my didn't colors hide are that too, knot it's still sticking out and my like... colors are too gaudy <laughs> and nobody likes that and that's like i was saying it like ebbs and flows like i think on the last podcast i said that people like light blue velveteen and then maybe in, next year it might be red like that might be the hot color but you have to know your you have to know who your clients are it's not to say that you have to be specifically for somebody if that's not what your purpose is of doing custom work, if it's just general, but you should have an idea. You know, like there's certain artists out there who like make earrings or medallions or stuff. I've never done this. And I always look and say, oh my goodness, why can't I just do that? They'll do repeats of the same thing. And that is awesome. Like if you have a design that people really gravitate to, and you're able to make a series like they do, like with like shoes or with clothing, they just make a whole collection, right? And they make like whatever, say some artist makes 10 of something. I can't necessarily do that. Like that's not my thing. I wish I could because I think I have some pretty good designs that I've made up before, but I, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just not my thing, but I'm always so envious because it's what it's like a consistent, you see the consistency of their artwork. More people can wear that one particular thing. And different things like that. Like I think about like earrings, like a lot of people do earrings and I'm like, oh, that's so excellent. Like I wish I, I wish I had that drive to do the earrings, but I, I don't. And also I'm staying in my lane. Like I know my lane, like I know what I like to do, different things. And I know like, that's where I, that's like, that's my niche, like kind of thing. And it takes time to learn how to, I mean, not to, yeah, it takes time to learn how to do like earrings and different things like that. I mean, I'm sure people who do them all the time, it's easy and they're like, mm -hmm. you know, they know where to get their supplies from and all those kind of things. For me, it's just like, it feels like it's something else I have to learn to do. And if I'm good where I'm at, then, you know, maybe I won't learn that. And, and I think that's important because maybe you can be in all markets, maybe, I don't know. But for me, if I think if I try to be in all markets, there's something that's going to slide and it has nothing yeah. to do with the artwork. It'll have to do with my family. Like if you're trying to dip your toe into everything somewhere the most important things, unfortunately, will fly by the wayside. And I've done that before. Like I've like dedicated all of my off time trying to get to the Santa Fe or going to the herd, worked a full-time job, 
speeded from like eight o'clock at night to like midnight, if not later, then got up five o'clock till 7.30 to bead and then start all that. And because I'm a procrastinator by nature. And for me, I never prep for I never prep for a show. So if I don't hear from the show that I got in, I'm not going to be like for the show. Like, you know, yeah. I'm not like that. I'm not hoarding stock. So if I find I get in, like, I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to yeah. start beating. <laughs> so for me, that's how I I work. Things fall by the wayside. Like you don't see your husband or you don't, I mean, you don't like, you know, all those other things. And I'm thankful that I have family and like my husband and my kids who kind of know this is kind of, I guess it's like the routine. Yeah. It doesn't make, it doesn't mean that it's good in terms of like family dynamic and stuff like that. But I think like you have to make some sacrifices. I don't know who it was that I was listening to over the week. And they said, sometimes you just have to reach for your dreams and sacrifice a bit. You know, I mean, that's really what it is. And if your dream is to be an artist and to do all these things, well, you have to first and foremost put yourself out there. Yeah. And that's hard for people. But there's so many people now who can do it because you don't necessarily have to really interact. You can do it like through social media. And then it's set, it's done, and you just say, okay, sure, perfect. I'm going to take your money and I'm going to send you these things. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> so it's really changed a lot, you know, I think. Because to sell, you have to sell. Like, if you're going to a show or you're doing whatever, if you have a store, you kind of have to like, you know, sell the stuff and you have to be able to be confident enough to chit chat about all that stuff with a customer. So, yeah, mm. it's just kind of, it all wraps into like, like making it into a business and how do you, you know, that was another question, like how do you create it into a business or how do you all of that? But like exactly what you said, like everything has to be really strict. You have to be a little bit strict on yourself, what you were saying about like, cause really in reality, like. I'm the same way where, you know, when grad season comes around, it's like, okay, well, dishes aren't getting done. Laundry's not getting done unless my, you know, my family's doing it or the house is a, a dump for a few days because, you know, what, I, I have to sit, I got to get this done. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like having to learn those kind of. You have to treat it like a job. You do. You do. You definitely do. So, you know, like those are, it, that even comes into your pricing, like how, you know, everything there's, <laughs> I think like everything that we just talked about, really, it was like, I guess there's no clear cut route <laughs> no. to say this is what you should price like or how you should price it. Because really, there, everybody has their own factors. There's all kinds of different things that everyone goes through your own. Like we said, everything is personal sometimes about your own emotions, how you feel, how you your self-worth sometimes. And even that sounds ridiculous, but that comes into play. Maybe that bill that comes in and you got to pay it. You got to you got to sell this thing to make that money. Like that's that's yeah. a, that's that that's a reality for a lot of people is like like you said, if this is your only income and your water bill comes in and it's one hundred dollars or whatever, you're going to try to make some either you're going to try to bust your butt to make something or you're going to sell something maybe that was more, but you need that money yeah. desperately. We're really trying to be truthful. And I think one of the one things that I would encourage people to do is not to bring anybody down. Like whatever I have, I shouldn't be looking at somebody and judging myself against them because I'm not them and they're not me. You know, we should support each other and do all that kind of stuff. And that's true. And we should just be grateful that the art is selling because if people are buying, when somebody else is selling or has that acknowledgement, it also brings up the art form also. Itself, yeah, yeah. overall so, for everybody, yeah. So just because you can't get a price for something and you think it's worth that much, sometimes the market doesn't think it's that much. 
And when I mean market, I don't mean like Santa Fe market or hurt. I mean the people just in your community, maybe even who are buying, you know, like the same thing to do with like, I sell beads. I can't be like selling them ex exorbitant prices. If somebody else down the road sells something different for a lower price, because then it's, you know, I have to be, I have to sell them for what they're worth. And if it means a little bit more than somebody else, or even a little bit less, then that's okay. But I'm not like, I'm not trying to gouge and try to take that other person out of their business either. Like, so I think you have to look at it that same way. Like, yes, it's like economics, but I don't know. I feel like it's like, there can't be a standard. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because I, that's come up before too. Like you can't put a cap or anything on art, you know, and that's what it is. And like you said, everybody's circumstances are different. Everybody's levels are completely different. So it's, it's like, yeah, there, there's a lot of factors that come into it. Like for me, when I guess the bottom line of pricing for me is material cost. And it, and it's like really a soft estimate, really, because <laughs> there's all whatever. So I do material cost. I look at it like, like I don't charge every, like for all the beads I use, but I do have to factor in some of that cost. Like, yes, I could have, I could be using beads that I used for the last project, but I still had to pay for some of that. So that mm -hmm. still has to get factored in there. Leather. Like if I'm making moccasins, hello, leather is all pretty expensive everywhere, you know. And then so if you have tanned hide versus commercial hide, it even changes yes, the price. Like even that. People have to like if you're making commercial hide moccasins versus tanned hide moccasins, your moccasin itself, just the moccasin, not even the yes. beadwork on it, is more expensive if it's tanned. So you have to reflect that in the cost because Yes. Automatically that should be an automatic like jump up. Like depending on whatever you're comfortable with jumping it up, mm -hmm. but it should be more. Uh, the process, like not everyone knows, but that is a, a major process to tan hide. Like you have to hunt, you have to do all of that. It's all tan, like it's all uh, done by hand. So <laughs> you have to factor that in and all the work and then what the and that's cost your is. overhead cost. Cause if you're exactly. not tanning the hide yourself, then you have to buy it from somebody. Yeah. And it's a lot. So those are the, like the materials, your leather, um, velveteen is not cheap either. Like small pieces are not cheap. Mm -hmm. Like you're paying, you know, like 40, 50 bucks sometimes for like some of the better quality velveteen mm -hmm. US on top of it. It's not, yeah. not all Canadian prices. So, you know, you kind of look at that, like, these are some of the things I, I talk about when people ask, like, well, why are things Do people so ask? So people ask you how much things cost? Not me, not about my work, oh, okay. um, but sometimes you have people who have an appreciation in a sense, but uh -huh. don't necessarily know what goes into all of it. Okay. You know, so it's kind of like giving them that clarity to say, well, look at the beads. Like I recently had a class where I had to provide the materials and um, they asked for a moccasin making class. And I had to, you know, I said, you want me to provide like the materials? I said, are you aware of the cost of the materials to make a moccasin? I'm like that, because that could be about 200 to $300 just in materials alone per person if they're just starting out, if they don't have all this stuff. And if you're asking me to make a kit, I have to provide all of these things. I'm like, that's a high cost right away. I said, the beads alone could be like a hundred bucks, you know? So anyways, so those are all like different little things that I always factor in, like all of your materials, your hours, which is a... Which is hard, like, mm -hmm. because if, if you are, like, in the sense you were saying, if you're a slower beater, you could rack up a lot of money, like, you know, which is... If you is, charge per hour, yeah. If you charge, which is great, too. But then if you're a faster beater, you're you're totally shortchanging yourself. So 
you have to kind of have like a gauge in there. I like to do the breakdown, like to say, okay, well, I'm going to charge 500 bucks for my moccasins. But then I look at like, oh, well, you know what? I did about maybe a uh, hundred hours. Like, what does that come down to? You know, like, did I really, whatever. So those are rough estimates of how I price. Um, what about quality? Because there was a question that yes. came in. Somebody said this is like, it's the question was, and this is a direct quote from Instagram. So if you're the Instagram follower who said this question, then thank you so much. It says, and it got a lot of replies to, do you ever look at someone's beadwork and notice the looseness, (laughs) which really ties into our topic of pricing because it really goes in with quality. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not going to lie. I notice loose. (laughs) I've also beat it loosely when I had my piece turned backwards and I didn't see what it was. Like, yeah. Yeah. Am I like judging somebody who does it? No, because that's what you're at. Like, that's where the person is. That's what it is. Like, you know, but do I notice? Yes. Has Margaret come and said something and said, hey, look at that. I made this thing. And I'm just like, yeah, you see this little thing here? I'll say that. Has other beaters come and said, yeah, look at, oh, you had this thing here right there. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like. That's like that tough skin too. Like you, like how are we going to learn if we don't like one ask or somebody doesn't teach us to know better that, you know, if you do, if you nod it this way, or if you do this, like, you know, like you can up your, you're up your expertise and quality by just making it tight and not loosey loosey. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah. And for real, like, I (laughs) like have, so, so let me ask you this question. Do you ever notice someone's beadwork and notice the looseness? I am not, and again, it's not in a judgmental way, but I look at your beadwork. I look, not you specifically, but all of you beaters, <laughs> everyone out there, I look. And it's not in a judgmental way. It's to see where things are at, how people are doing, how, like their growth journey on, on their beading thing, because we've all gone through it. Like, hell, I was just looking at a pair of moccasins that I did maybe even just 10 years ago. And I was like, oh my God, these are awful. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's only just 10 years ago, you know, like that's, it is a long time, but Mm -hmm. still, you know, like things evolve and develop like (laughs) quick, but that's what I do. I do look at people's work. I look at their finishings because I have, and sorry, I'm going to call out one of our other um, bee workers. Attention all bee workers calling out. So Merit Cross is always in my head and I'm sure (laughs) she's in everyone else's head. Cause if you have ever taken a class with her, you know what? She helps you to raise your standards in that sense that she is in your head to say, check your finishings. If you don't like what is on there, you need to rip it out. Do not settle for something that is mediocre. If you you were right the first time. Exactly. So those are things that are in the back of my head, you know, you too, like, I remember when I was like starting to elevate my stuff where I was starting to like make like more like the clothing, moccasins, things like that. And my finishings, like I know you're a stickler for your finishings and it's true. Like you do this big, beautiful piece and then you got knots hanging all over the place. (laughs) It looks sloppy. If your things aren't matching up, it looks sloppy. So those are things because I have gone through that process. I have gone through um, looking at my own quality of, of work and things like that. And, and of course I'm still, you know, still working, working on those yeah. things. I can't say that, Oh yes, I am above everyone. And I got high quality because it, no, you know what? Sometimes it's not <laughs> like, some, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes my stuff isn't like that too. Yeah. There, there's just those times. So, but yeah, they are, you know, 
So you're a looker. I'm a looker. I am a looker and I'm a feeler. I'm going to pick up your stuff and I'm going to push on. But are you on. a zoom inner? I am a zoom inner. Oh my God. You are, we are completely different <laughs> beings in this aspect because. And it's not like, it, it's no, not. No, yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, like, I, I'm not saying like, oh my God, her stuff is awful or what. It's not in that just sense. Just like what you said, you're just taking a taking a reading of what's out yeah, there. Yeah, I like to inspect things, but that's just me on my creative artist side too. Uh -huh. Like, I'm the same in paintings, in drawings. Yeah. I'm the same thing because it's not even just about critiquing or looking at like where people fall short. It's also looking at where I can improve. Because you know what, if I'm looking and I'm zooming and I'm checking it out, I'm seeing different quality. I'm mm -hmm. seeing where people are elevating their stuff or their finishings are super on point or, mm -hmm. you know, those are also things that I'm looking at. It's not that I'm looking for all the negative. Yeah, or you're all not the, looking for defects. Or no, yet. yeah. And even if I am looking at the negatives, like the things that maybe yeah, you can improve on, I look at it and I kind of think like, Okay, if I'm thinking that this needs to be improved, I need to make sure that my my stuff yeah, is not, exactly. you know, like mm -hmm. if I'm going to be like looking at it and saying, okay, well, yeah, maybe like, you know, this needs a bit of an improvement. Like, well, then I better check and make sure my stuff's on point, you know? Well, yeah, because so, somebody could be doing the same thing for you. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like in that sense where it's more of a learning process. It's not really a, a whole judgment or like, oh my God, you're awful kind of thing. You know, <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's, it's neat. It's, human nature just yeah. to, it's a comparison i guess in a sense so and for me i'm a total scroller like <laughs> because if i see something oh that's nice scroll oh that's a scroll like i and then <laughs> yeah. and then now what people have come to do is they share beadwork over and over again because it's beautiful like you know mm -hmm. this stuff and people do good work and maybe that's for sale or whatnot but people are sharing more so i'm like oh scroll because it's the same thing scroll <laughs> scroll scroll again i think it's my own thing because and I'm, this is another like hot button topic, but it's not what we were going to talk about, but it's oh, something I that just comes I think we're going up. there. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't ever want to be, be labeled a copier. You mm -hmm. know, like that's one of my things. Like I don't want to, I don't want to look too much. Not to say that I'm, that's my fallback or anything. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I'm known to do. Cause I don't, I don't think I am at all. Unless I'm taking a, a course in the, the design was given to me, then yeah, then that's what it would be. But. I don't ever want to have that on me. Like for myself, I just don't want that. So I try not to look mm -hmm. at anybody's thing. Like I look, oh, okay, I still got, you know, like, and I can appreciate that. And it's almost like you don't want it imprinting on you. Like Exactly. And you know what is interesting <laughs> and it's probably kind of bad and I don't want to offend anybody, but I often sometimes don't like people's stuff <laughs> in the sense that I like it, but I don't physically push oh. the button <laughs> yeah. to say like. Yeah. Because again, it's that same thing. Like I don't want to be lingering too long and it sounds so ridiculous, but I mean, if it's like Instagram, I'll like it privately and I'll inbox them and do it privately. And I try to be consistent. If I like, I like, you know, if I love, like I try to say, oh, excellent job or love it or whatever. I try to make it very generic mm -hmm. because I also don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. If I happen not to like somebody's thing, like physically press like, yeah, because you know, like I just, I just sometimes don't see that. Or maybe mm -hmm. like, you know, I, it's so long ago that I didn't have a chance to like it or different things like that. Like, And it, that has to do with like judgment kind of thing. Like I don't want anybody to perceive me as one a copier or somebody who like wants to bring somebody down or just raising up everybody's like blowing, mm -hmm. blowing smoke up somebody's ass really. Like, yeah. no, like, like I say, and I, this is my like mantra is there's a market for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you just take it how it is and that's that. But yeah, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be ever accused of a copier. So I purposely 
scroll, scroll, <laughs> don't linger. And but it's true. If when but you, I'll zoom on yours. <laughs> or like, okay. I'm, like you know. But I don't. I'm blocking you now. I'm no. blocking you. But so this is something that I do. Is that if I see something that Margaret does, I tell her I really like that. Do you mind if I try that? Yeah. Or I'll say, because you brought up Merritt's name, if I see something that Merritt did, I'll say, oh, you know, like, I think that's a really good idea. Do you mind if I do that? And it's just because I know them personally. Mm-hmm. And I feel it's just a way to do acknowledgement that, yeah, you know, like, I'm not asking permission, but I just want to, I know what people are talking about because people come to the shop and talk or inbox me and talk yeah. about like what they see and what they think people are doing and stuff like that. And and I'm not really about that business, you know, like I really don't want to. And and I think really it comes down to a respect for everyone. And and that's what it is, is that to say, you know, what, as a beater, I know the time it takes. And I know that, you know, what, even it goes into the emotional aspect of it, that sometimes when somebody beats something, they're going through something. There's a process to why it came out the way it did, the colors that it is, the whatever that's again it goes into like your own this is a part of that person that is being expressed and being shown to everybody so i think it's it's more of a sense of um giving them the respect to say you know what like i see what you do or what you've done i really like it and it's inspiring me to kind of pull something out of me too mm-hmm. so when you acknowledge them when you talk to them and just say you know what like hey do you mind if i try this out but make it your own and not mm-hmm. like, can I carbon copy it? You know, and sometimes people do that too, but you know what, even if you're doing that, check in, ask like if they, mm-hmm. if they mind or don't mind or whatever, you know, it just kind of gives those people or it gives everyone respect just to say like, I acknowledge that this is what you're, what mm-hmm. you're doing. And it, and it does resonate with me. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I would like to give it a try and see how, where it takes me or, mm-hmm. you know, and it's simple as that sometimes. Some people might think it's totally hokey to do that. It, and yeah. that's good. I mean, that's, I mean, not that I say good, but it's everybody's prerogative. Mm-hmm. And I think too, a lot of it is that we have to remember that beadwork evolves. Yeah. You know, yeah, like definitely. When somebody might post, and I'm going to say his name because he posts a lot and he's a friend of ours. And when Grant <laughs> posts all of like the collection of beadwork you see, like for old beadwork that he collects and it's beautiful, you see the similarity between them. And mm-hmm. sometimes they're, I'm not sure if they're always the same nation that does them, but you see, and even if it's the same nation, it's not always the same person. Mm-hmm. So you see the similarity from that region. And that's what's happening now is people are taking classes and doing things and you see a similarity. Now that's one thing that's great. You know, it's evolving. Sometimes people say, well, they're copying, but like, where they're also going to get inspiration from? Like, Mm-hmm. Like you said, like if you're not carbon copying and you're getting inspiration, like people were saying like, that's a fine line. And when is it one thing and when is it yeah. the other? I think it really depends on like, if you see something that is a blatant copy of what you made, I think you have the right to say, you know what? I really spent a lot of time doing that. And I can see that that is exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. I don't really, app- I, I don't appreciate that. And I think that's okay to say. And, and everybody is different. You know, some, some people, it doesn't bother them. And that's totally fine. That's awesome, actually, if it, if it doesn't. Because like I've made posts about these things and, and it is a fine line, you know, about um, people were wanting clarity. Like, how do you define copying and what's the difference and all of those things. Claiming ownership over universal stuff that's something too like you know like yeah. celestial domes that doesn't belong to me no that's <laughs> that's an inherent right almost you know like those that's that's you can't there's certain things that i i 
don't feel comfortable saying that anybody can do that, mm-hmm. you know, to take complete ownership over. So when it comes to like copying or inspiring or things like that, like your ego takes a blow sometimes. It is mm-hmm. an ego thing. And and sometimes you you do need to have it checked. Like mm-hmm. even for me, you know, I've had things where I'm kind of like, oh my God, like I've had that done mm-hmm. to me on, on, a, on a higher scale. Okay. You know, like where I was fully aware that that inspiration was mine and it was just color changed. Okay. And in the beginning, I was fine with it. I was okay until it it continued to go further and then it got more hype and it was like in everybody's face and and this person was getting all of this like praise and all and and it was an ego blow Mm -hmm. for me because I was kind of like excuse me like hello I'm over here yeah that's how I felt you know so I I had to check my ego to say okay is this something I can let go because am I only reacting out of my ego? Is it okay to just react out of my ego? You know, like, am I comfortable with just saying, well, hell no, you know, like, mm-hmm. so I did have to do that. And, and and honestly, it took me about three years to confront the lady. So I eventually did. And we hashed it out, you mm-hmm. know, and, and not in a, in a bad way. We mm-hmm. did. We talked about it. Things were discussed and things were put to rest. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got that, that clarity and all of that from there. But that was... For me, I think when I see somebody blatantly carbon copying somebody's stuff, it kind of triggers that feeling that I had where I was like, because on top of it, when, you know, here's my hokey pokey side again, but it's kind of like (laughs) when I did that, I was going through some stuff and that was an expression of the times Mm -hmm. and what I was feeling and what I was going through and whatever. But to have to see it now everywhere else and somebody else taking ownership over, Mm -hmm. I was like, what in the hell? Like, you know, like, yeah, it it was like a kick to the gut after a while where I was just like, no, okay, no, it's still bothering me. Mm -hmm. After all these years, it's still like a little twist of that knife in the gut where I was like, okay, no, it's, it is time to address it. So, and I, and you know, I think maybe just to to talk a little bit about that is that because we're in a time of like social media and everything is instant, everybody can see, we couldn't see necessarily some of the things from before. Like, you know, you have like a little bead group and whatever, like that's it. Like, you know, you're just doing your beads and you don't necessarily see everybody else's work. And not to say this has anything to do with really copying, but just being in terms of what we were talking about before, about acknowledging and stuff like that, mm-hmm. is that now you can see work from all over the world, all over the Haudenosaunee, Haudenosaunee country and different things like that. And you can take bits and pieces and stuff like that. And then you can even see like collections from hundreds of years, like a hundred years ago, and you can take pieces from that too. So I think we have to remember that today's beaters are not the first beaters. Like, you know, somebody had talked about that and everyone comes from somewhere and everyone has a starting point from someplace. And it's a build, it builds on top of each other, like one beat at a time, pretty much. Yeah. It evolves. And before it used to be flat work. Now we're doing raised bead work. Before we were doing quill work or moose stuffing and all those things. And it it evolves and evolves and evolves. And, and at some point, not on purpose, there will be repetition mm-hmm. because it's been done for hundreds of years and you're going to see it. And it's not necessarily, it's new to you, but it doesn't mean that it's new to everybody. everybody. No. It could have been in their community. Somebody does that. Yeah. And so you have to take that into account too. You have to realize like, yes, you might think that this is what 
you made up out of no like malicious intent or something. It could be something else somebody else did, but you didn't even know. And you just happened to have the same idea. And that is okay. And I find that's where people should be prosecuted for that either. Yeah. And I think that's where it comes into like what you were saying about not wanting things to imprint on you when you're going through (laughs) social media, because it's true. Like when you're scrolling through, you know what, like, like my newsfeed is always full of beadwork because mm-hmm. I have a lot of people that I follow that are um, that are beaters. So um, there is an influence in the sense that I am being shown certain colors, different colors all the time, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, okay, well, oh my God, this person just did purple. You know, it's kind of like, well, that's going to sit in your head. You're going to, mm-hmm. you know, so, and it's not a bad thing, you know, like I think, and that's where it comes into like the, the, the definition or fine line between copying and um and getting inspired like if you do a purple flower today and then i'm like oh my god that was beautiful well tomorrow i make a purple flower that's inspiration that's not you might just be gravitated to it because that's where your mind goes exactly the last thing you saw to me i don't think that that's you know to me like if you're copying if you want to be called out for copying or things like that or if you're looking at it that way like don't carbon copy something like if you're taking somebody's full on color scheme, if you're taking on their full on pattern of in terms of like how their flowers look and different things. Yeah, like, the whole layout, everything, then yeah, well, you might be setting yourself up for like confrontation. Somebody might address you on it, mm-hmm. you know, and and it is what it is sometimes like and we all get involved, like even I'm sitting here saying, well, you know, but. I've had to process my own things like sometimes because I've had sometimes where I look at somebody's beadwork and I feel like, oh, you copied oh me. That, that's, a, that's what somebody wrote. Go, you copied me arguments. How do you deal with it? And I think you did really good by saying like what your perspective, what, what it was is it wasn't instantaneous. It was like what you thought and you really had to process the whole idea yeah. because. Yeah, because I didn't want to just jump to conclusions and I didn't want to just be like. Which is easy to do. I mean, it's easy to do that just to be like. And yeah, then, it, it sounds... and, sometimes, and sometimes it might work because if you are like, I mean, and that's that's like prerogative, right? Like if you really are upset about this because you like you had like you, all the things that you talked about in terms of like where you're coming from, how much time you invested in all this stuff and somebody does it, it is like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I to me, you know why? Because I look at it too, like I see everyone is inspired. Everybody is inspired. You cannot, there is not one person that can sit there and say that. I have never got inspiration from something, from something or someone else. Yes. Like it's, it's a natural thing. You, nobody can say that, but for me, honestly, before I react, sometimes I have a mental checklist, I guess. You have a checklist? Yeah. Sometimes it sounds ridiculous, but in my head. Inspire me. Inspire me. I'm closing my eyes, everybody. I'm closing my eyes and I'm going to be set in like (laughs) Margaret's brain and this is how she goes about it. Okay, so sometimes my checklist is like, say I'm looking at social media and I see somebody's moccasins or I see somebody's... Copier. Oh, JK. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean in the sense like, uh, and I see their stuff and I'm like, oh my God, it looks like mine. (gasps) You know, and then you jump to the conclusion like, oh my God, they copied me or whatever. And then you send the picture to somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, and all those things. But I look at it like, okay, well, say it's fall time. You know, like... Perfect example. I just did a a sunflower, you know, and oh my God, now Lise did a sunflower. So, uh, and I'm like, okay, what's the rationale here? Like we're, we're both in the same season now, you know, oh my God, they did moccasins. Well, do I own that? You know, so those are little things that sometimes it, it, and it sounds ridiculous, but you know what? Sometimes we like to 
jump the gun sometimes. Mm-hmm. I do it. Every like a lot of people mm-hmm. do it. So yeah. I have to sometimes talk myself down and look at the reality of the situation. Like, am I just trying am I trying to boost my ego too? Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Am I trying to boost my ego by saying that they're copying me? You know, like, like puff up your feathers a little bit, make a it, little yeah. bit, you know. So sometimes that's in my checklist. Like, all right, am I just like putting myself on this pedestal thinking like, oh my God, everybody wants to copy me, you know? So that's another place that I try to put myself at. I can see inspirations. I mm-hmm. can see when I've inspired somebody, but I teach. Yeah. You have a class. People- I have a class. So uh, of course I'm going to see a lot of my, like my flowers somewhere. And I don't mean it's like my, but I mean my. The kind of flowers that you actually taught in your class. Yeah. Because like, uh, like I could see the drawing because like, Hey, if your petals off just a little bit, I know it's off a little bit. Cause I came off the line a little bit <laughs> when I drew it, you know, like the stupid yeah. things like that. Yeah. Like I can see those little things. So I, I see that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's an inspiration that, you know, whatever, it's there because I teach, I, mm-hmm. I put that out there. So, and I think like, in terms of like, you're just talking about like, when, if you see a flower and it's off a little bit, people need to realize like, you can take patterns and you man- manipulate them to make them even better than maybe what your teacher gave you, yeah. like in this instance, maybe, yeah. and, or change, like, maybe it's not a round flower, you make it point to flower, but it's kind of this, you have the same fundamental shapes and starting off point, but you just make it different. I think in terms of like, when you talk about copying people, sometimes we're like, well, that's the kind of shape that I make out of this thing and all that kind of stuff. And because it really gets into like, you can copy colors, you can copy designs, you can copy the actual shape of the piece. You can copy the same kind of, there's so many areas where you could copy. Yeah. (laughs) If you start your petal from the top or you start your petal from the bottom or the leaves and all that kind of stuff. And somebody had also written an Maybe there's like, I mean, it's interesting because we talked about pricing it just like jumping off to all these other stuff. But I mean, mm-hmm. we can always come back to it at another um, another um, podcast too. But it said the importance of sharing patterns for moccasins, frames, cuffs, yokes, purses, etc. And not necessarily designs, just the actual pattern itself. Like some of the things we don't make now, people made a lot before. Like, because like if there are souvenirs, people make trilobes or they make the scissor canoes holders or, or canoes yeah. or the um, horseshoes and different things like that. So that's part of the history of beadwork. And I think if somebody asks you if you can share, I think that's kind of important. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh you know, well, like, let's go into that. Sharing like, and versus not sharing. I think it's sharing. important. And we had, a um, again, Grant Jonathan came here to Gunawage to buy, uh, sorry, to sell velveteen and whatnot and he gave us an old trilo piece and he said like you know make a pattern of it and then distribute to like whoever wants it and so we had it at traditions and Mm -hmm. like i cut them all out and i said if you want it then you know come and get in if you whatever like you know it's for everybody because a lot of people don't do that anymore and it was Mm -hmm. a big piece it wasn't just some small piece and i think what happens is that and i'm only speaking not even from experience because i don't have any experience in this area because i don't have anybody in my family who does beadwork or historically did beadwork i think what happens is is that it's part of your family legacy like patterns and stuff and it's good to like acknowledge that and to be able to be feel proud about that but what happens is that and i think this person was alluding to hoarding but they didn't say but hoarding patterns and not letting anybody try to make them because it's more like a possession rather than maybe a part of the historical art form of beadwork you know, and feeling like, well, this is what my grandparents did or whatever. And like I said, I don't have any, any experience with this. And maybe I'm just talking right out of my ass. And maybe everybody has that up. Maybe everybody 
who's doing that, they have reasons for it. And that's cool too. But like I'm saying, like this is from a perspective of somebody who's not even involved. And luckily, like I have a a, a good solid beating community and yeah, I share and they share. I mean, I don't have a lot of parents I share, but I try to do what I can and different things like that. But I'm also also hounding people. Like I'm not telling like, hello, here I am. Come and, come and get all my stuff because I don't have time really. Like, you know, to... Yeah. Be giving all of my strength to everybody to to give them the stuff. Like if you like, it's just like other stuff. Like if you really want it, you're going to find it. You're going to go and you're going to get it. And you're going to like, you know, you're yeah. going to tell your story to whoever it is has it. And if they don't give it to you, then maybe they can find somebody else. But like, so that was the person's thing is just talking about the importance of sharing patterns. And we can get into it if we want, or we can wait for another time, but it's not even the design aspect which you must come into with your beat as a teacher, like you're, you're giving that design out and, you know, so. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that that's a whole, I'll just briefly, I guess, give mine because that's a whole other thing. There's a lot like of sharing like, patterns or the design, all of it, I okay. guess. Um, but for me, I think my, to me, it's like the, each their own, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I have, not that I have to, but I, I guess I'm a little bit neutral on the whole situation. Like I kind of always just sit in the middle of everything. Like I listen to both aspects mm -hmm. of, I don't want to say an argument, but like uh, views. Mm -hmm. It's people's prerogative if they mm -hmm. want to share. Like yeah. if they want to share, then they want to share. And if they don't, then they don't. Like What do you say about the person who says, well, this is the art of Sunni or whatnot, and it's going to die if you don't do it. It's almost like language. What do you say about that? If you're the last person holding that, then yeah, that's like pretty shitty. But you know, like then yeah, to a certain extent, I don't know, maybe because I'm an artist, like if I see something, I can recreate it. Like I well, can yeah, draw like it. you got that. You got <laughs> you yeah, yeah. So I guess in that aspect I looked at I look at it like that. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, which but you're is, not waiting for somebody to hand you the stuff. Yeah, and it's kind of shitty too in a sense because it's like, oh, well, you have this, you don't want to share. Well, I'll just draw it. Like I can just draw it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I don't. That's your superpower. Yeah, <laughs> I necessarily, I don't think I would just steal it from someone and do it if they asked me not to. Like I wouldn't mm -hmm. just do it, but but I can. So yeah. I don't, I don't know. To me, I just view it like, eh, whatever. But if they don't want to share it, it's, you know, yeah, there there is a fine line. Like if now you're you're tossing that into the mix, you know, like, like what? like gatekeeping basically and like holding back stuff from everybody then you know it, it kind of goes this back is not to, like designs like flowers and that kind of thing we're no, just talking even about just shapes, shapes. just yeah. shapes it just shapes i don't know if you want to share it share if you mm -hmm. don't you don't you don't have to like um i had this discussion with other people where it was kind of like sometimes it, people just you just don't want to and it's mm -hmm. not it, it's not about like uh wanting like some to people are private they're private. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's work to have to do even just a shape. Like, you know, you just don't want to do it. And, and that's fine. And the opposite part of that is sometimes it's really emotional. Like if that was your mother's livelihood. Yeah. And that's, it's a piece of them that you're giving to somebody else. And she's sewn them clothes. Because like a lot of times what happens is people sew, would sew patterns like with a small piece of string. They would put it through all the pattern they would sew and it would be tied. And then you're like, well, I don't want to cut that string and just, you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. so it becomes emotional. Like I get it. Like, I, but this is just a question and that's what I brought it up because it kind of goes into like what we were talking about. about yeah. Which, it, like it's, it's a fine line, I guess. It's another thing. Everything's a fine line these days, but it is, it really is. No, like, nobody ever wants to offend anybody. Uh, well, where are the days when you could just some, I, blow like, somebody off? In or, some no, ways, like, not that I care, not that I don't care, but like, Hey, if, if, you know, the shoe fits, I'm going to say it, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, but 
I kind of just feel like... I mean, the loosely beaded moccasin. Yeah. <laughs> if it fits, then whatever. But I kind of look at it like this, like in a sense, like sometimes people will ask me for a shape that I've done. And depending on what it is, I'll share it. I don't mind. But like that, like right now I'm working on my daughter's yoke. Mm -hmm. And I've had a few people see it. And okay. I've had people ask for it, the shape of it. Oh. And I was kind of like, oh, no. You know, like I, really? I'm not ready because she didn't wear it. Yet, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, she didn't wear it yet. It's not even. It's not finished yet. Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 really, I'm like thankful that somebody really liked it. That they mm -hmm. asked for the shape. You know, like I'm glad that okay, well, yeah, somebody approves of it. That's great. I'm not ready yet mm -hmm. to let it go. Maybe when she's done wearing it. Maybe when it's done being viewed and seen. Like mm -hmm. in a way, I want it to be special. Yeah, I want it sure. to be special mm -hmm. when I decide to reveal it. When I when she wears it. You mm -hmm. know. After that, maybe if I feel better about it and I'm like, ah, okay, the, you know, it's the specialness has worn off, then okay. yeah, okay, maybe I'll share the pattern. Yeah. But right now I'm not ready. Yeah. So, and and I think that's where I kind of understand the prerogative of people not always wanting to share things. Like You don't have to. And I you mean, don't have to, yeah. Like I have pieces that I've beaded that I haven't shared publicly. Yeah. And sometimes it's because I don't want somebody to copy me. Well, well, and sometimes and <laughs> it's because it doesn't belong to me anymore. Like a client's privacy yeah like i don't want to be putting out everybody's thing and then people like you know like i really don't want to like a client like i think it's like privacy in terms of like how much people pay or if they don't pay or all that stuff and then that is their thing and like they ordered it for a special thing and i don't want to be just throwing it out there and yeah for yeah, everybody exactly. to see and to copy and then it's like there's 20 of them and just to clarify is that I joke with Margaret is that people don't really copy my stuff people probably <laughs> just don't really like it I don't know but I don't see it and whatever but you know maybe you could copy me no just kidding <laughs> just kidding out there bead world you know whatever but and get inspired and I have seen your inspirations out there so <laughs> well I haven't because I'm scrolling I'm yeah. not zooming in on anybody's stuff <laughs> And which is fine too. Not judging. No. Not judging. <laughs> Actually, no. I, you know what? Yeah. Actually, no, you judge? I No, like in a sense, sometimes, like, like I said, like, sometimes I go there right away, like, oh my God, they stole this or they stole that. Like, I'm We're a getting real. We all real, do it. Real deep. No, but we, everyone does it, you know, like you have to be truthful about it and you got to own it. Like, and like you said earlier, like if somebody does that, you, if it bugs you enough, address it. Address it. Yeah. That's all there is to it. The other topic that we had was, um, how do you work through a slump? I'm just going to say it because it's, it's, it's the reality and you just kind of have to pull off the bandage and do whatever. So um, my father recently just died last week and yeah, but you don't have to send condolences or anything. I mean, I hate to say <laughs> that, but you know, like I'm just giving it the pers giving it life because that's what you have to do in situations like this. You have to come to the reality of it. Mm -hmm. So... Um, what happens to me often, and I'm sure it must happen to a lot of people, and then some people it maybe goes the other way, is that sometimes you really can't bead. And I just got really, really sick to my stomach just now just thinking about it. So, yeah, so I know I'm not ready to do the bead work. So for me, it happened one, it happens, it's happened twice now in my life, or maybe three times where it's been, I've suffered a loss and um, I wasn't able to do bead work for a little bit. Now the timeline, I'm not hundred percent sure um, what it was. And I think it's just like when you're dealing with emotion and different things like that, for me, sometimes I can bead just random things, but I can't bead custom things. 
because it's for somebody, you know. Um, sometimes I've worked through loss by making something for the person who has deceased. And that's one thing. And that's, and it's, it's, it's all like circumstantial. It depends on like what the situation is. But I just, like I said, like, I just got that feeling like, God, I feel like sick and I haven't beaded anything. I don't even know if I beaded anything prior. I did. I was, yeah. So like, I haven't beaded, I haven't ran either. I ran Thursday with the day I found out he passed and I could only run like two kilometers. I haven't ran yet. Cause I think that something's going to happen. And I think the same thing is, is that not that I want to pay homage or to do anything like that, like for the person, for my father who died by not doing anything. But I think like, regardless of the relation in terms of like, if it's your, your mother, your sibling or a friend, or it doesn't matter what the relationship is. You really have to take time to like go through what it is you need to go through. Mm -hmm. And so I would say I'm in a beating hold. I don't know if I'll be in a slump when I finish the hold, though. That's a thing because I think it's two different things. Like once I feel like I'm ready to bead, I'm not sure if I'm going to even like, I don't even know what the project I was working on is going to look like now after all this. And like even just thinking about it, it just like gives me a headache. Like that's what it feels like. And when you're talking about like, what do you do when you do, um, how do you get through a beating slump? One of the questions somebody had asked was when creating or meditating through craft has brought you through hard times. So this would, I would technically say this is a hard time. And even my head is just tingling, just thinking about it. It's so like, mm -hmm. whatever. And I'm not trying to like bring anybody down. Like, you know, it's just part of, part of the reality of being alive is that this is what happens. And I think for this instance, the hard times doesn't equate to me being able to be doing anything. Now, how will I get inspiration to get past this? It's probably just going to take a little bit of time. But I think sometimes like in other times, beating through hard times might have meant like beating something because like I really had to make money. Like, you know, like I had to take like, that's, that's like another reality is that like before I didn't work, my husband just worked and I didn't, I didn't have a full-time job. I would take on projects because I had to make money. But it was like hard times because they're like hard times in the stress, like emotionally and time-wise, you're like be strapped and you have to just keep going. It doesn't matter. And then you have those projects where it's just like a meditating spot where you can just channel everything you have into that piece. And that could also be a slump. Like it doesn't mean you have to be not beating. You could just be in a slump where you just can't like get past these kind of colors. You're just stuck in a spot where you just keep making the same thing because it's comfortable and it feels good and you know you can do it, you know, and you're not putting yourself out there and challenging yourself. So, I mean, that's like, I know I got to get out of this slump by April because I got <laughs> stuff to do, but uh, it's yeah. just like, I don't know, like it's just, it's just the I don't know. I don't even, I look, I have the bee work at my house and I don't even want to touch it, but I don't mind like putting beads in a tube or whatever, like that kind of stuff. But I just have like, I just have a lump in my throat. I just have a hard time breathing and I just can't do anything like that. So, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> um, I don't even know what your question was. Something to do with a slump. Like, I'm just totally <laughs> out to lunch, but I can still keep going. But I'm just like, oh, what the... Uh, it was, how do you work through a slump? So how do you work through a slump? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, it, it's all circumstance. It depends on what, what's going on and what the slump is, I guess. Um, you know, and you're in, in the sense, like what you're talking about there, I think there's like different levels of slumps. Like right now that's, you're going through something heavy yeah. that needs to be processed. Like it's an emotional, you know, everything that has to get processed. So, um, in those cases for me, I just give myself the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's uh, like beating 
almost becomes a therapy mm-hmm. in a sense for me. Um, so sometimes I'm the opposite. I'm the complete opposite where if I'm going through a hard time, that's usually when I can bead more mm. um, because then it's my outlet. Like you're checking out into a beadwork and being productive. In yeah. And it, and it's kind of like uh, what you had said earlier, like about it's it's I don't necessarily bead for somebody else. though when I'm in that space, mm-hmm. because like I just think back to our, you know, our, our, our ways and mm-hmm. what we, you know, that, you know, like we're you not cook when you're angry kind of yeah. thing goes into the pot and then everyone yeah it's just yeah. a bitter feeling yeah so i i don't really necessarily especially if i'm beating for a child i don't want to be like putting all kinds of heaviness on mm-hmm. on that yeah, so sure. um in that sense i don't normally uh beat if 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 it's something that's really heavy then i do have to let people know like i i i'll probably need an extension or i may just not be able to do your order because mm-hmm. i i just can't do it mm-hmm. you know so there's sometimes there's those circumstances when it's just a slump where I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I don't, I don't have the drive. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Like sometimes you just got to pull up your pants <laughs> and do it. Like thread that needle, <laughs> thread it and do it. And and it, sometimes it could take me weeks to finish. I don't know, like a medallion. Or but you could have done know? two pairs of mock. Like, that's the weird thing about a slump is that you could be a slump on one project. And make two other things that help you to bring you out of the slump of that other project yeah. you're running away. I, I, I'm going to use loosely say running away yeah. from. Or, but that's what happens. Is that- I, yeah, because honestly, I think like a lot of the times my slumps are when it's like things that I just don't want to do. Like, and I have to do it. And mm-hmm. it's and it not necessarily the person that ordered it or it's usually an order. It's when it's an order that <laughs> I don't want to do anymore. You know, like where I feel obligated. Mm-hmm. I feel responsible that I have to do it, then I don't want to do it. I don't know. It's it's ridiculous, but that's the way it is. And yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. And I find like for me, it's like the odd weird things that happen. Like I look at last year where I was like, I had to get things done. And then all of a sudden I'm getting like tendonitis and I wasn't beating that much. So I can't really like necessarily say it was like just me beating that created Uh it. Or was it just like subconsciously where I was like, all right, let's get hurt because I don't want to have to do this. You know, like <laughs> something stupid like that. But that's how I feel sometimes where I'm like, okay, what am I like creating for myself here? Because it's like, it's a push or I feel like, or I feel sick to my stomach. Like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, I just don't want to do this anymore, you know? So sometimes it's just taking time. Like you said, doing another project, something small, like where it's not going to take me 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, something small. Sometimes I'll go buy new material. Sometimes I'll go look at new beads for no particular project or any reason. I just need something to pull me out of it and give mm-hmm. me some kind of an inspiration. Um, then I can kind of jump back to that that project and mm-hmm. do little bits as I need to as we go along. But it's not a nice feeling like everyone goes through it. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you pull yourself out and stuff like that? And I, uh, for me, I think the best thing is to take a minute, mm-hmm. take that breath, like... You know, just you got to stop. If you if yeah. you don't want to do it, stop because you're going to end up creating something else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I think too, like when it's when I have a slump that's not related to like anything emotional or anything like that. Sometimes what I do is I, I find a new show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know, I mean, and I I just think like you just need to like or not even a new show. I probably watch the same show that I've watched before mm-hmm. where I've had success in completing a project. Cause it's like, you're getting the rhythm and things like that. So 
sometimes I use that. Like I'm not necessarily even just being inspired by actual, like a thing. I'm just watching a TV show or just, I, I just, a place of comfort, I guess maybe is, is really that. And maybe consistency, like that's the thing. Like, you know, when you're, in your, when you're in a hard time, not to forget that things are happening, but to be consistent in what it is you're doing. Like, you know, you get up, you, you got to eat, you got to do this other stuff, you know, like trying to do that kind yeah. of stuff. And a lot of people take like beating sabbaticals just because they need know, to, they yeah. need to, they're burnt out, you know? And I think that too has to play like not necessarily in pricing, but just having that grace for yourself to be like, okay, you know what? Like I really have to just take a time and I just can't be creating anything because then what happens usually is that after a while you feel better and then you start maybe creating something completely different or maybe the same or whatever, mm -hmm. like, you know, so. I think some advice too, I would have to say for somebody who has to do a project that has a deadline or you want to do this as a career or things like that. I think you need to have, like she said, the consistency a little bit. Um, you need to create a routine out of it. If you're struggling to do something, you know what, choose a time, say, you know what, today I'm going to be for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. For this week, I'm going to be for 20 minutes and make yourself do it. Mm -hmm. It's the same like changing a diet. It's the same as exercising. You have to kind of put it back into your because I find for me sometimes when I go into a slump is when, you know, what I'm super busy with the shop or life or my kids or something like that, where I don't have the time to be. Mm -hmm. It takes me like longer to jump back into it. So I find the consistency and just keeping a little bit at a time in there helps you to feel like, okay, it's it's part of the routine now. It's just mm -hmm. something that I do at this time. I'm going to sit and I'm going to do even 20 mm -hmm. minutes and then you can extend it if you're feeling better about it yeah. and make sure that you have that downtime too, though, mm -hmm. to say, okay, well, yeah, this feels like a job. Let me take like the weekends. I'm not doing it, you mm -hmm. know, something like that, like try to keep it. And it, and eventually it'll pull yourself out of it, you know. But, yeah. And I think yeah. maybe for me, for if someone's starting a new project and is not coming out of a slump, but just starting a new project is that I would say, if you don't have the design yet, but you know your pattern in terms of the shape you want, cut all that stuff out, prep it all. Mm -hmm. Doesn't oh, necessarily yeah. mean like you have to be like, like what I'm doing now is I'm, I have everything prepped. Do I have everything prepped? Pretty much I have everything prepped except for one item. But I have those pieces that I've prepped done and I've started to do just the rope stitch around it. And so I'm trying to do all, like, I like to do not just one side and then do the other side after I try to do a back and forth and mm -hmm. try to maintain the same amount of work on each piece. And so I would say if you're starting off that way, what it is, is that you finish one piece and then you look and like, I got to do another thing. Yeah. You know, like I got to do the purse now. But if you have all those pieces prepped, you just have to do the B work. You don't have to, st it's almost like starting from scratch. You have to start cutting out the pattern of the purse and you got to put the velvet on and you got all these things. Yeah, that... it becomes tedious in your head so more. So if you just do it all right away, then you have it for when you're done your other piece. And then it just, just continues with the beadwork. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes I just get tired of the same beadwork pattern in terms of like the design. And so I might have to, that's where my procrastination comes in and I'll have to do something on the side and. Yeah. Whatever. I'm sure my clients are like, look, at she posted this thing on Instagram and she didn't even finish my stuff yet. But, oh God. But, I feel like that all the time. And I put disclaimers like it's in between orders. I'm still working on your stuff. Like, yeah. but, but Hey, I need to sometimes, otherwise yeah. you're not getting your stuff. Cause <laughs> I don't want to always do it. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, those are, I guess maybe some two little tips for tonight, um, for today. And, um, you have yeah. anything else? Like, no. we covered a lot of stuff today. We did. We, like, went through our whole uh, careers. No. <laughs> That's the end of our podcast. Okay, bye. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So I think we will wrap it up for the night. We got things to do too. So now everyone for tuning in. Uh, I hope you enjoyed you know, all these discussions. <laughs> yeah. And there might be some new developments for the beating table, but we're going to leave that under wraps, but just know that there could be something coming a little bit different, a little bit different. And uh, we just appreciate everybody listening tonight. If you're sitting at the beating table, if you're sitting at the drawing table, if you're sitting at the quill work table, just now go for um, tuning in and um, we'll see you on the next podcast. Ona. Ona. The views and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of your and its employees.